0: Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roni and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. This episode is brought to you by the Gutsy Health Membership Program, a program that gives you inexpensive tools and resources to heal your mind, body, and soul. Visit our website at mygutsyhealth.com. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. I have my co-host, Gina Warfel, with me. And we have Dr. Joel Furman. You've probably heard of him before. He's got 12 books. Seven of them have been uh, New York Times bestsellers, and he coined the term nutritarian. I mean, this guy is just a powerhouse, and he is taking the world by storm just with this lit-up message around nutrition and people healing themselves through food. Dr. Uh, Furman is a board-certified family physician, like I said, a seven times best-selling author. And internationally recognized expert on nutrition and natural healing. I'm just going to read a little bit of your bio because it is so impressive. And then I'm going to have you introduce yourself and we're just going to kind of launch into our topic around why we need to be our own like nutrition experts when it comes to healing. Like, how important is it for us to understand our food? Dr. Furman is the president of the Nutritional Research Foundation, and on the faculty of the Northern Arizona University Health and Science Division. Man, there's just so much that we could gush about him. But uh, Dr. Furman, I'm gonna have you kind of give an intro on yourself and kind of your accomplishments, and like let's dive into this like really incredible topic that all three of us are really passionate about. Welcome.
1: Well, thank you. Looking forward to our talk today. You know. With all educational or accomplishments, the most rewarding accomplishments are, of course, working with people with serious illnesses and getting them totally well again. So people with rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, lupus, chronic headache syndromes, advanced heart disease, heart failure, cardiomyopathies, people that have so many thousands of people that have completely recovered. And you're living their life without diseases, and off the, all the medications they used to need. People who've recovered from cancer, even. I have, a, for example, let me give you a couple of examples. So you're talking about accomplishments, but in my own mind, it's my rewarding life that I get so much pleasure from, with the confidence and experience knowing I can help people get well again. And then, and I think that modern nutritional science has given us an unprecedented opportunity in human history to live longer than ever before in great health. And I don't even consider the blue zones excellent diets. They're just better than what Americans are eating. Mm -hmm. And they're living maybe eight to eight years longer, 10 years longer. Mm -hmm. But my design of the nutritarian dietary portfolio enables people to push that envelope of human longevity and live 20 years longer and live to be, Mm -hmm. I'm saying normal lifespan for a human should be between 96 and 106 years old. And that 10, we should narrow that bell-shaped curve. So even the people with poor genetics can live to be 96. And the people with better genetics live over 100. And we have this opportunity in modern times to stay, to keep our full mental faculties intact to have be physically in good shape for many many more years and very small percent of our population takes advantage of the, these foundings in modern nutritional science so my my greatest and and what i'm saying also here is the dietary style that enables people to age slower maintain their youthful vitality and live longer is the most effective to reverse disease when we apply it therapeutically for people with heart disease, diabetes, headaches. And my greatest accomplishments are, like, for example, a young woman who was on the national renal transplant list with lupus, going to have a new kidney put in, who makes a complete recovery, drops her creatinine from 4.2 to 0.8, and doesn't need a new kidney and gets rid of her lupus. Wow. My I can give you one story after another, a hundred different wow. stories. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, my most recent book, the book called eat for life. I, I give like a, a case history at the beginning and the end of every chapter. So I give, and those, and all these thousands of case histories of people who made complete recoveries from serious illnesses. That's like my greatest accomplishments. Amazing.
0: You know what I mean? Wow. Yes. I just wanted to acknowledge how
2: amazing and important this yeah. is because of how many people we see every day who are so discouraged because once they have a disease, And a lot of their doctors kind of give up on them. And they're like, here's the medication you're now managing. And so for you to like blaze the trail and you can reverse your disease is just amazing. And so special. And
0: that leads into my question. Like you're a medical doctor and you're primarily teaching about nutrition. What's the story behind that where you were like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but was there a point where you're like, medicine isn't actually helping people. It's band-aiding things. Like, how did you get into nutrition and how did you realize like this is the way people need to go if they want to find healing?
1: I, I found that out before medical school and it's oh, the reason wow. why I went to medical school to pursue a career. Wow. It's kind of like I was started to date this woman who I met through my sister and then um, she was going to medical school and I said to her, what do you go to medical school for? Because doctors just about giving people, poisonous substances Mm -hmm. to try to reduce the symptoms from their dangerous diets. Like hitting yourself with a hammer Mm -hmm. and then taking some pain medication. The next day you go home, you smack yourself with a hammer again. And so she said to me, if you're so passionate about this, why don't you go back to school yourself and become a doctor and change the way they do things. Wow. I was thinking about that. It wasn't that it was a new concept to me because I was already thinking about that, but I had had graduated from college already. I had already, you know, been a business and economics major. I hadn't had any pre-medical requirements, but the idea of like, going back to school, under, going to a postgraduate pre-med program to get the pre-med requirements. I hadn't really known those, so those programs existed. So anyway, so I did. I went, I sold my family's business. My father had a chain of 12 shoe stores, and I went back to the postgraduate pre-med program at Columbia to take all my pre-medical requirements. I didn't go to medical school until I was 29. And then, of course, that woman became my wife. Eventually, <laughs>
0: that's amazing. I love this. I love this so much. <laughs> Keep going. Keep, this story is amazing. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So, you went back to medical school, 29.
1: Yeah. And then I, so I, when I graduated medical school, you know, I did residency, but I, the first day out, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to. You know, and it's funny because in medical school, I would be openly talking about this, that why do people don't have to get sick? You know, you can, why treat their diabetes the rest of their life or their high blood pressure? Get, get them off their medications and get them well again. Yeah. And it's funny because the feedback I would get was like things like, yeah, we know that's could we know that could work, but you're not going to make money doing that. And most people aren't going to, people aren't going to listen to you. And you've you wow. got to give people what they want. They just want a quick fix. Yeah. And uh, it was cool. always an excuse. And then I would respond back and say, you know, if you don't give people informed consent that they could have gotten well and just give the medications yes. that we know cause cancer, we know blood pressure medications mm-hmm. overall cumulative lead to high rates of cancer. We know mm-hmm. diabetic medications lead to wake in, accelerate the progression of diabetes. We know most of these drugs don't work long term, yep. they're just short-term, you know, band-aids. So how can you not even give them the option? Even if most people don't do this option, how can you not give them all these, all the facts? Right. So I'd be I'd be in always in these debates in medical schools in my training. But it just reinforced um, my passion Amazing. to be a different type of physician, of course, which, was, which took a while wow. to develop that clientele. But I, you know, writing books and speaking, public speaking, became a necessity. And then I, have also, of course, developed a practice where people flew in from all over the country yeah. who wanted to embrace a more aggressive nutritional um, approach to get well. And I really enjoyed this career immensely.
0: I am literally floored by you right now. Like reading your bio is impressive enough. And then I hear this story and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I just want to read all 12 books of yours and like everything that you have to say because like you literally went to medical school to change the system because you saw that there was a problem. And and I love that. I was actually wow. just uh, listening to a, a clip of uh, one of Dr. Hyman's podcasts where he was saying statin drugs, for instance, literally damage the mitochondria in like muscle cells. So it must be damaging. Well, and I'm just assuming it must be damaging the mitochondria systemically through the body. Like when you take drugs, it's just these short term gains, but long term deficits, right? So, uh, Dr. Furman, tell us a little bit about the latest in nutritional research in the past decade. And because there's so much coming out, right? Like, what is it that listeners need to know? Because one of our other podcast interviewers said if you are not incorporating nutrition in your medical practice, you're not up to date with the research. So I'm I'm hoping to hear from you. What are you seeing in the literature and the research these days around health and nutrition?
1: Yeah, because definitely, because you know, I tell all the time, I said what I'm doing shouldn't be seen as alternative medicine or holistic medication, just medicine or something. This is where medicine should be. This is progressive Mm -hmm. but correct correct health care without, mm-hmm. without incorporating and you know, removing and that's uh, great in nutritional causes and trying to, you know, promote, motivate and teach people how to live healthy, then you're not really being, a, you're not a doctor or not a mm-hmm. good doctor. Mm-hmm. But yes, the, um you know, I, I divide uh, food into three categories, processed foods, animal products and produce. Right. And if you mm-hmm. die, so we are, we've known for years that The nutritional calorie density of your diet is a major factor affecting your health. I'm saying, does your diet have a high micronutrient bang for each caloric buck? Yes. Does everything you eat now contain a good amount of beneficial micronutrients, or are you eating empty calories? Mm -hmm. When you eat empty calories, and the most empty calories that Americans eat to defeat their health, are sweets and white flour products and oils, because they brainwashed to think oil is a health food. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying right now is that even olive oil is putting a calorie into your body without a significant load of nutrients that accompanies mm-hmm. those calories. Mm-hmm. And those calories rush into the bloodstream quickly. And I'm also saying here that white flour is a sugar equivalent and when right. you're eating products like bagels and pizza and burgers and croissants and cookies, you're eating cake and candy. Right, it's and, sugar. And I call it the cake. It's sugar. When the body tries to process sugar, it can, it uses cofactors, vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals. It produces reactive oxygen species in the yes. processing. So we can't metabolize that. So then we we can't metabolize it into energy. So it has to be go into the be stored as fat. But also in the processing of whatever we do process for energy, it strips the body of nutrients and it acts as on a system like a drug. And and then it becomes – then these foods that rush into the bloodstream in a higher caloric fashion affect the dopamine centers in the brain, the same areas that are stimulated by opiates. So what I'm Mm. saying, the rapid absorption of concentrated calories – in the forms of fried foods and flours and sugars, rush into the bloodstream and affect the brain, the dopamine centers in the brain, making you become dopamine insensitive. And then you develop cravings and an unrelenting desire to overeat calories and to keep putting food in the body. And if you don't overeat calories, you feel wiped, wasted, Mm -hmm. and agitated. So you can't not, you can't stop yourself from wanting to overeat. And therefore we have Mm. 90% of the Americans are overweight, which is completely, they're completely divorced from reality and they Mm -hmm. have no control over how much calories they're consuming.
0: Right. So basically what you're saying is high caloric foods that are nutrient depleted, like breads and flours and sweets, like that's a drug. It's literally a drug and it's, it hits those pleasure centers. It makes us dependent on it. And then it does damage to the body. Like, it's, it's like a poison. It's a, a poisonous drug.
1: <laughs> Precisely. I'm mm-hmm. clearly saying that we should consider those foods drugs, not food. They act in yeah. the body as a drug. drug. That's correct. <laughs> Finding that the effect of food and the caloric rush of foods coming into the bloodstream so rapidly becomes them in an unnatural fashion have, has an incredibly different biological effect comparing, let's say, an apple to apple juice or a sugar, or comparing, let's say, an avocado to avocado oil, or a mm-hmm. walnut to walnut oil. What I'm saying that this unique finding is that when we take in our fat from nuts and seeds, like a walnut or a sesame seed, the fat calories enter the bloodstream at one or one to three calories a minute, mm-hmm. and the body preferentially burns it for energy instead of storing it as fat. Mm-hmm. When we take the oil out of the food, because these nuts and seeds have sterols and stanols and fibers that bind fat and feed the fat slowly into the bloodstream. But when we extract the matrix from the food and take the oil in an isolated fashion, the calories come in so rapidly that the body can't wow. burn it for energy. It has to store it as fat. Mm. And it's storing it as fat. It then turns on fat storage hormones, which makes it difficult to lose weight. Yeah. And, the, and the calories from oil are more calorically concentrated so compared to the So they're not as satiating, but Mm -hmm. also the calories that come in that fast are able to affect the apostat in the brain and affect dopamine centers in the brain because you can't eat natural foods that come in with such a high caloric caloric concentration, Mm -hmm. all those calories in the bloodstream at one time. So it's the spike of the huge amount of calories after a processed foods meal That has the effect to increase people's desire to continue to eat excess amounts of calories Mm -hmm. and are not satisfied with normal amounts of calories anymore because it alters brain structure and function. Amazing. So that's one, one of the major findings we were, were talking about and, and, and the education that people need to have to recognize that food becomes addicting and then to recover from addiction you have to have abstinence mm-hmm. and to recover from addiction results in discomfort for a period of time. So the first week, let's say, of coming from a, a diet, which is has processed foods and lots of animal products and fried foods and sweets onto eating more fruits and vegetables and beans and nuts. The person doesn't feel better. They feel mm-hmm. worse. Yep. And they start to get could be even have withdrawal no. anxieties, but mostly fatigue, headaches, or so. In, so people's judgment of how they feel—they're feeling better when they eat this diet—is not justification for eating unhealthy food. We know yeah. they're going to feel worse when they eat an unhealthy diet, but mm-hmm. that passes after the first week, and then they start to feel going to start to feel better. Yeah. So, so people need to be educated with regard to that, and also just like drug addiction, people need time off their illicit self-destructive behaviors, you have to separate them from that long enough so the attraction to those behaviors gradually lessens. Otherwise, the person doesn't have the ability to rationalize and to even think what's best for them because they do what makes them feel best and what they think they should be eating isn't what they should be eating. Right. Very How
2: do you suggest people go about that? Do you suggest they go cold turkey? I know you do retreats and you have your center where people come, they get healthy, reverse their disease. When you do that, do you have people gradually taper off of foods? Do you have them go cold turkey? What's your philosophy?
1: My, my um, opinion over the, my experience over the last three decades is that the people who move more gradually into it don't do as well and have a higher chance of recidivism and going back to yo-yoing their weight, that people who take the initiative and make the commit the full commitment to give up all their junk foods and processed foods and alcohol and smoking, Mm -hmm. they have the best opportunity if they can stay away from those substances long enough. And I'm kind of doing research on that. We can show that That when you imbibe in the the substances that you're craving, it makes you want to crave them more and it puts you under more stress than completely giving them up and allow those cravings to fade. So even though I'm not saying that there's one size fits all Mm -hmm. and that there are as the art of taking care of patients individually, maybe some cases where you have to ease in and certainly we know there's certain people when you cut them off salt they become too. They become too hyponatremic temporarily until the body can get it hold on to salt better. Mm. There's some people who can't handle all the fiber at the beginning because mm-hmm. the body, digestive tract can't handle it. It has to be more gradually um, phased into. There's there's individual cases where we can argue it's better to ease into it more gradually. Right. But on a general scale, most people who are overweight food addicts do better. When they can make the, when they can learn a lot of information and then make a radical shift in the way they eat. And believe it or not, the radical shifts makes it higher probability they're going to stay with eating healthfully than making a smaller shift, which keeps the other foot in that other world of addiction that keeps them pulling them back in that direction to binging. So it's a rough, it's a tough question, but for most people, it's better. To, I, I do it. I, I do. I don't baby step the way in.
0: So I love that you say that. I will say, and I'm going to be honest. Um, when I do like blood chem analyses and stuff, and I see their blood glucose and their insulin, and I look at their lipid panel, and they they look like they're in like metabolic syndrome, you know, like state, and they're headed towards type two diabetes. I probably need to take some plays from your playbook, but I try to tell people to crowd out like all the bad food to do it nice and gradually. But the hardest thing for me when I see blood glucose, metabol- like blood glucose being off and the lipid panel off and all that, the hardest thing is like I I do this big sigh because I'm like, I now need to talk to someone about a food addiction without using those words, right? And it's the hardest, hardest thing. How do you educate people to be like... You got to change your life. Like, because I can look at these labs and I'm like, they just need to balance their blood sugar and all of their inflammatory markers are going to go away. Right. Or for the most part. Right. And so, but having that conversation is so as for as a health coach, it is the most daunting conversation because it's going to take more than just one session with me to help them overcome their food addiction. addiction. What are you, what what do you, what do you suggest? What do you do with your clients? Like, and what can you tell listeners Because I love that you're being really frank and you're like, this is a drug. This is damaging your body. You should probably go cold turkey. Like, what are some other tips or like, how is it that you handle this? Because and and you can talk about your retreats, right? Like if you want to be like, hey, we actually fly people out here for a few weeks and we help them detox from all their junk food. Like, how do you handle that?
1: Just to give you an idea, um, I don't let people come if they're not going to stay at least 30 days. Mm, And we don't even encourage a 30 day stay. We say it's wow. a three-month stay is recommended when you're an overweight food uh, addict. Wow. You to go home totally adjusted to eating this diet for the rest of your life. And you're, wow. you go away to a health retreat for a week or two, and 95% of those people don't stick on those radical diets. Yeah. They're eating just sprouts and raw food. No. They don't go back. They gain all the weight back. Mm-hmm. They have to learn a way to eat and manage their food and learn the recipes and how to cook it and how to eat it and, mm-hmm. and replicate what they're doing here. Yes. So even though we have people staying one or two months, we encourage people to stay three months because most of the people that – that come here and were, um, stay are, are significantly overweight, and they have comorbidities. They're mm-hmm. diabetic, have high, high blood pressure, heart disease, or, um, arthritic conditions, or but no, no, in, any, in any case, the person who makes that full commitment to change their life. And I always say, you know, when you got married, did you say, "I'll give it a try, mm-hmm. and we'll see how it works out"? And at the first kind of argument, <laughs> I'll run the other way. Mm-hmm. Or did you make a full commitment? And this is a making a commitment, and mm-hmm. don't to really um, not to imbibe in addictive substances and to really change your health around. And so what I'm saying, when I see that person and I'm not claiming I would do it in a medical visit, I'm saying it requires lectures and multiple exposures and videos and books. And the person has to have a lot of teaching and information. But when I see that person, in my office, I say to them, what do you want from me? How can I help you? Mm -hmm. Would you like to get rid of your diabetes and high blood pressure and get back to the most ideal weight? and live a longer, a healthy life as possible? Or do you want to still stay sick and just yeah. get a little healthier and have your numbers be better controlled with medications? Yeah. What are you hoping for? Do you want, you know, if there was a possibility to get totally well, would you want to take advantage of that? If there was a possibility where you could not have to worry about these diseases and take drugs for the rest of your life, would you want to achieve that? Mm-hmm. And they say, yes, I want to get totally well. I want to get my weight all the way back down again. And I said, well, then of course, and I can help you. But here's the plan then you don't decide what to eat and don't make judgments on what you think you should eat or feel like eating and don't think what you should eat or what you learned you should eat or what you just do what I tell you to do for this month. Mm-hmm. Just follow this plan and don't evaluate whether you like it or not either. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not asking you if you like it mm-hmm. because you're not evaluating how much you like it because you're not equipped to make that judgment right. yet because your taste muscle has been weakened by yes. the foods you've eaten. And your taste preferences can be developed by what you eat. And when you can go to the gym and start working out. You're not going to be strong at the beginning, and, you got, and you're going to be sore. You're not going to like it either. But so, so in other words, if you're going to test this methodology and see whether it really has the ability to make you feel better and reverse your diabetes and high blood pressure, then you have to do exactly what I'm telling you and not some close version of it because then you won't really test it like a scientist. And then mm-hmm. after the first four to six weeks, then we can talk about you liking it as we, we and you're going to learn the recipes and see your taste buds are going to change over and your taste muscle will get stronger. That takes three to six months. We don't we're evaluating whether you like it. You've got to make the commitment to do this anyway to get well. But eventually, I promise you, you're going to love eating this way as much as your old diet. But you can't expect that to happen at the beginning. But it's a it's a big process to get a person, you know, motivated. Yes. And and it's an art. Yeah. And the art as a as a health professional is seeing how far you can push a person and not turn them away. But I have to say that when you ask more of them, they do more. And when you ask less of them, they do less. Yeah. So Um, so I would encourage you to ask more of them and to, but to, but, to, but not just in a one-on-one patient visit, you have to also have them come to group classes yeah. and really get involved in their lives so they, if they want to make that change.
0: So I love that you have your retreat. Gina and I, actually, we have a Gutsy Health Academy where they join for six months and we teach them all about the ins and outs of their bodies with meal plans. And so what you're saying is something that we've developed over the past few years, because it really does take more than a one-hour consult or like a 30-minute follow-up a month later. Like you have have to, it's kind of like like a Spanish immersion program, right? Right. Like instead of like learning Spanish in class, you like literally go to a country that speaks Spanish and you just immerse yourself in it. And then in three months time, you're like fluent because you literally just jumped right in. And so-
1: I love that analogy.
0: Yeah, like- That's and, a great, I love that I analogy because you can't it. learn,
1: you can't go to a person in, in an hour, speak Spanish. Fully. No. They're not going to just, yeah, of course you have to immerse yourself in it and really learn it and live it. Right. And then you can enjoy speaking Spanish. It's right. a struggle to speak Spanish if you don't, right. That's the same thing. The person needs time, a very good analogy.
0: And we, we have to become these experts, right, in our bodies, because this is the vessel that holds our soul. Right. And so if people are listening and they're like, oh, I can't do this. It's like you absolutely can. You deserve this. You should do this. You are entitled to this information and it's empowering information over your body. Right. Because we all deserve to live healthy lives free of illness and disease. And it is doable. I mean, you, Dr. Furman, you've created these programs and you've written these books and you've seen it. And, and, it's, and it's, it's interesting, too, because you're talking about like the sickest of the sick and And you're saying, I can help you reverse this if you come to my retreat for three months and we revamp everything. Most of the people listening aren't quite there. You know what I mean? So if you can help those people do it, we can all do it. It's just going to take some initiative and we have to kind of just get over that hump and that fear of like, Oh, this is a new language. I have to learn. Yes, it's the language of your body. And when you learn that language, like you're going to feel so much better. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, nutritarian philosophy? What does that exactly mean? You kind of spoke about eating foods in their whole food form. What else is that philosophy as far as like meats go and like vegetables and? Fruits and all that. Like, can you give listeners a little bit? And obviously, everyone should buy your book. Everyone should like probably just pick up everything you've written and start researching well, and learning. But eat for life is
1: eat for life is my latest book, mm-hmm. and there's more than two thousand scientific references. And I would say that it's that um, the vast majority of, of scientific evidence points to a diet that's vegetable based, not meat based or grain based. That vegetables have the highest protective effects. And longer lifespan. So this is definitely a vegetable-based program. Um, on the other hand, you first you asked me what was the most um, surprising and powerful finding from the scientific literature of the last decade. And I think that I started to talk about how us- utilizing nuts and seeds as the source of fat compared to using oil and animal products which is the source of fat in common diets around the world and even in America. so people' so using the whole food plant source of fat and the same thing is shown with protein the most surprising pro- um, finding from the scientific literature is that more plant protein in the diet extends human lifespan and slows aging and more animal protein accelerates aging and promotes cancer and aging of the brain through a lot of different mechanisms, which we can discuss, but the literature is pretty conclusive with corroborating evidence from multiple studies that people on higher animal protein diets like paleo diets and keto diets live shorter lifespans at this point, not longer lifespans. So the immediate benefit to the glucose level doesn't manifest itself with longer lifespans. Mm. Um, So what I'm saying right now is that the highest protein plant foods are green vegetables, and beans, and nuts, and seeds, and having a diet that has a sufficient amount of green vegetables, beans, and nuts, and seeds, and other vegetables, of course, and, you know, the basis of a nutritarian diet, and I use this acronym, g G-B-O-M-B-S, BOMBS, which stands for Greens, Beans, Onions, Mushrooms, Berries, and Seeds. Seeds mm-hmm. like flax seeds, sesame seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds. Mm-hmm. Identifying the foods with the most powerful effect on human immune system, longevity, and protection against cancer. Wow. And so we're designing diets to defend against cancer, help cancer patients live longer yeah. or, or, or get well from cancer. At the same time, those same diets are going to maximize human longevity for people who don't have anything wrong with them mm-hmm. to be a diet rich in those, in those foods. So we're saying here that that we want your diet to be somewhat moderately restricted in calories, because body fat itself is a health risk. That a woman's body fat, where the body fat goes over 25%, she starts to produce extra estrogen, more pro-inflammatory mm-hmm. substances, more reactive oxygen species, become more insulin resistant, and activate aromatase, which then and, and which activates angiogenesis promotion, which allow mm-hmm. cancer cells to replicate. And a man's body above 15% of calories, above 15% fat, starts to see damaging effects, which affects the estrogen testosterone or estrogen progesterone ratio. So we're talking here about um, a diet that enables people to have a normal amount of body fat, which places all Amer- 90% of Americans over that level of mm-hmm. body fat. So if you think you're a normal weight, you probably have too much fat on you, most, most Americans, because still, they still are, are overweight. It's only about... 2.4% of Americans eat relatively healthy and exercise wow. regularly and have a normal weight. Most normal weight Americans are smokers, or they are alcoholics, or they have mm. medical conditions, or they're, they're unhealthy people while they're slim. It's a very small minority That's of health insane. that people are living healthy enough to keep that favorable body weight.
0: So less than 3%. Is that what you said? 2.4? 2.4%
1: that the American wow. you know, the American government and the medical authorities tell tell us that 77% of Americans are overweight what? that's totally untrue because they're using a BMI of 25 as the demarcation line right. between normal weight and overweight if we use a and all long-lived individuals and in societies, even blue zones, always have BMIs below 23. Yeah. Actually, optimal BMI for a male is below 22, and for a female is below 21. Mm-hmm. If we use 23 as the demarcation line, then it classifies 89% of people as being overweight in America. What wow. I'm saying out of that, 10% or so that have a normal weight, most of them are normal weight because they're sickly and yeah. they're smokers. Yeah, it's mostly, It's only 2.4% that are normal weight because they're really normal.
0: And, mind and even they're not eating such a
1: healthy diet, the 2.4%, they're just eating healthy enough to have a normal weight and exercising regularly. So most Americans are, you could say, ex- are examples of abnormality. Right. They're abnormally overweight, but they're eating an abnormal diet, and they allow disease to flourish. Yeah. And I'm saying that these diseases that are ubiquitous across, across America are unnatural. It's mm-hmm. not natural to have high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, or yes. conditions. It's, these are the result of unhealthy living. Right. These diseases are the result of unhealthy living. With healthy enough living, the human body is disease resistant.
0: Yeah, I, I, my, my mind is blown. And this is really like, what you're just telling us is it's a little shocking. Right. And we should be concerned. And the, most of our listeners that are listening are, you know, they are In the world of wanting to improve their health, but the fact that the majority of us, like 97 plus percent of people aren't healthy and we're getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Like if we look at the statistics of autoimmune diseases, we're getting new autoimmune diseases every year there's over 110 autoimmune diseases now like kids like food allergies and sensitivity numbers are going up right like kids can't handle foods anymore because they're reacting to everything they're reacting to everything in their environment they're reacting to all their foods that they're eating like things are not looking good and so I love that you you're kind of like this breath of fresh air where you're like, yeah, we really need to take a really um, like sharp stand against this and be and like take eating healthy very seriously. And like, let's just join the Spanish immersion program and jump in. And by Spanish immersion program, I mean, jump in with our nutrition immersion program and like just change it, like just just change, like be the be the catalyst and help other people around us be the catalyst for that. I kind of want to, I want to go back into like the disease uh, realm and like cancer and whatnot. Um, do you work with people that have like, like not only cancers, but like autoimmune issues? Are these, are these people really good candidates to come to your retreats to help them revamp their lifestyles?
1: Absolutely. And I have so many people that I've even published studies in the scientific literature on this, but people who've had, you know, severe psoriatic arthritis on drugs in bed, mm-hmm. you know, most of their lives in pain who are now in their sixties, free of disease, you know, saying yeah. I'm climbing mountains now, you know, my skin and watching people's skin clear of psoriasis is yeah. so rewarding because it's a visual thing, you know, yes. and that's the excitement. I say it's that, amazing. you know, the money's in the last 5%, Yeah, which means when you do it, you're already putting a lot of effort in to do it 90, 95%. Mm -hmm. You're already putting so much effort in. Why not just do it 100%? It actually becomes easier. And then the magic happens. It's more likely to have these diseases melt away. And you can't, you know, so because one of these, going off the diet, can trigger your immune system to overreact. But in any case, yes. And we're talking about diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and And scleroderma and and Sjogren's syndrome and psoriasis. And and with so many of these autoimmune diseases, we can go on and on, Mm -hmm. inflammatory bowel disease. Mm -hmm. And it gives people hope that they're not going to have to be on drugs the rest of their life because you go to a rheumatologist to take a drug for an autoimmune disease and you're informed that these drugs increase your risk of cancer. It's well known and they have to give people informed consent. These drugs that help control your disease symptoms are gonna kill you. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna have to make this pact with the devil, take a drug to feel better, but then take 10 or 20 years off your life and get cancer because you're using this drug. And and the person wasn't told they could potentially get well from their rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or psoriasis without those drugs, they're just put on medications. Mm -hmm. You know, I have so many cases where people have gone back to their doctor the original rheumatologist all well again. And the doctor got angry
0: (laughs) or said to them,
1: you know, you're going to just eat carrots the rest of your life or something like stupid like that.
0: I've heard several Um, stories, like a lot of my clients actually say that when they go back to their, that's actually happened to me. So I reversed my Graves disease and I had a doctor outright tell me, Oh, you never had Graves disease. And I was like, are you kidding? Like I have the labs to prove it. And they were like, no, you were misdiagnosed. And I'm like, I have labs. Like I had Graves disease. Mm-hmm. I was having thyroid storms almost every day and I had no idea what was happening. He's like, no, you didn't have Graves. Like, it's just insane to me that there's like, there's just this like wall that they can't see past it's, it's because it's not their language.
1: Scenario. Yes. Cause if they don't know about it, they feel it's not, they didn't learn about it. Their egos are not based on it. There's mm-hmm. you know, tremendous amount so- of it.
2: I, I get this controversial question all the time, so I just want to throw it out there because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. There's there's the debate on, you know, in this autoimmunity reversal, you know, go full carnivore diet mm-hmm. to calm the immune system. So I'd love to just hear, I, I think I know what your perspectives might be, but I, I'd love to just hear you touch on that topic.
1: Yes, I, I think there's more than a thousand various studies to um, just demonstrate how dangerous a carnivore diet is. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't think that there's always some people who are sensitive to certain food elements that can cutting out a lot of different foods will feel better. Mm-hmm. Some people just cutting out gluten and, and um, soil feel better, but that doesn't mean that the, they eat a dangerous diet that's going to cut short their life. So I think it's irresponsible and really a, a collection of misinformation and denial yeah. to advocate diets rich in animal products. Right. I'm saying that there's an overwhelming amount of evidence that diets rich in animal products are, are lifespan shortening. And so we, and, you, and the person is not, even though you might get an occasional person feeling better, we're looking for consistency and reproducible benefits so that, you know, 90, 80, percent of people making the dietary change will recover, not one out of 10 or one out of 50. So sure there'll be a cases of people recovering when they cut out um, grains or beans or something, but that's very rare. Yeah. Um, yep. so there's a lot of and that that confuses people because people who are addicted to unhealthy foods can always mm-hmm. find a diet that's going to encourage them to continue on the diet style yeah. that they're to they not preferred. eat plants. Yeah, to eat <laughs> to, to eat. You have a diet for those people. Yeah. You want to eat potatoes and bread is a diet for those people you want right. to eat, yep. you know, like there's always somebody appealing to mm-hmm. somebody's um, desire to eat certain foods. You know, but it's a shame. There's so much controversy. The American college of lifestyle medicine is a board where doctors can be board certified in, in, in lifestyle medicine to work with patients. I mean, there's no, um, there's no, let's say, consensus among physicians and leaders in this field that it's, it's the consensus is diets have to be plant-rich and rich in phytochemicals and phyto- and, and fibers and not, and and low mm. and minimal in animal products. Yeah. Um, that's I think there's a, a wide consensus that that's a, that that's a more a healthy way of eating.
0: So you're saying don't eliminate animal products completely, just limit it a bunch?
1: No, I'm saying that um, for many people, eliminating animal products might be the right thing to do. Mm. But we don't have evidence that going 100 percent off animal products yeah. um, is better than going down to five percent, let's say. However, mm-hmm. for some people, that's a wise thing to do, because obviously they're, they, if they, they eat a little bit, they want to eat more. Yeah. But when you do go to a completely vegan diet, since it's not a diet adapted by generations of human species for millennium for, through to- throughout time, we have to take some um, we have to be cautious with regard to some exposure to nutrients that are more readily met through animal products, particularly B12, yeah. zinc, DH, DHA, mm-hmm. and you know the, the fatty acids you would get from seafood. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying my experience as a leader in this community for more than three decades, taking care of a lot of elderly vegan communities, um, has seen a lot of neurologic illnesses yeah. in later life, dementia and Parkinson's, in people due to DHA deficiency on vegan-based diets. So yeah. I think a, a vegan diet may perhaps be the most lifespan-enhancing diet for most people if it's because we're talking about healthy life expectancy, not just living longer and having yeah. developing dementia, yep. but then we have to pay attention to the omega-3 index. So I'm, a, I'm saying that on a vegan diet, there's a blood test called an omega-3 index that people should check mm-hmm. to make sure their omega-3 index is above 5 mm-hmm. because there's a link in the scientific literature To low omega 3 index and and shrinkage of the brain and cognitive impairment in Mm -hmm. later life. And my, and my personal experience taking care of many people from this field, you know, decades ago who've been long term vegans or that they are at increased risk of Parkinson's disease because a deficiency of omega 3 Mm -hmm. can make the brain more susceptible to the toxins. That can cause that can yeah. cause Parkinson's. The leader of the natural hygiene movement in the 1950s was Herbert Shelton, and he, you know, advocated a, a plant-based diet of natural whole foods and helped people reverse diseases and get well from asthma and autoimmune disease and make complete recoveries. And he developed Parkinson's by the age of 77 and died of Parkinson's. And then subsequent to him, um, Kiki Sidwa, the leader of natural hygiene in Europe, developed Parkinson's. But I've had the opportunity to test some of these people's blood and find their omega-3 index to be extremely low. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying right now is that we can modulate that risk and prevent it by making sure the omega-3 yeah. index stays above 5
2: mm-hmm. with
1: using a vegan supplement of DHA and EPA. And that's a conservatory. Um, I'm being conservative mm-hmm. and cautious in the both the scientific literature and my experience Leading to the observation that that's a risk of a total vegan diet. It's not only B twelve; mm. it's also omega three, gotcha. and there's also lower. You know, so we're talking about making sure when you're doing a total plant based diet, you do it properly.
0: Yeah. What's your most favorite omega product that you you recommend to your clients and your patients?
1: I ha- I do have a what I call um, DHA EPA purity that I have available on my website that I mm. procured and developed because it's refrigerated, mm. because we. We use a pro- we pack it in glass, not plastic, and we have it shipped to us in refrigerated trucks, and we keep it in refrigerated coolers Amazing. in commercial re- refrigeration. So when person orders it, it's it's not at room temperature for six months or a year, perfect, to preventing rancidity of the oil. Yes. So I just um. So I just want people to use fresher products, you know, and if, not not yeah. things that are out of the refrigerator yeah. or oil that's been out of the refrigerator for. No
0: Costco food. fish oils, please. I know. I know when people tell no me Costco they're gas fish <laughs> oil. Throw it away. People are don't, like, Can just finish this? I'm like, no. no throw it away. No, don't even give it to your
1: neighbor. Most
2: likely supplementing rancid oil. <laughs> exactly. If it's, too um, and, fr-
1: it's too old, right.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
2: would say too that I think people really underestimate, you know, the omega-3s where when I would, you know, usually see somebody they would say, well, you know, I eat salmon maybe like once or twice a month or I I eat flax sometimes. My omega-3s are probably fine. I get the omega-3s. But I've actually never seen an omega-3 index on a lab that was at a good level when wow. someone did their first initial lab. I've never seen a good omega-3 index level.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the point here is that it's something people should check. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen yeah. people eat vegan diets with no omega-3 that have good levels too. Mm. So it's really wow. It's important. Wow, really? It's important. To, yeah, I've seen a person who with a level yeah. of seven who never even ate any, who wasn't eating any particular, was taking wow. no omega-3 supplements. Mm-hmm. But the point that's I'm guessing. making is- it's mm-hmm. something that people are ignoring and they should definitely check it to yeah. make sure it's a safety factor to get your blood checked. Right. Because obviously we know that too much of nutrients could be unhealthy, mm-hmm. too much vitamin D, but, but being in that sweet spot, yes. not too little and not mm-hmm. too much is, is ideal. And, you, and that's where we have the, the blood yes. test really helps that yep. um, yep. adjust that appropriately.
0: I always say, don't guess, just test, like just test. Like let's, let's just like once a year, like take a look under the hood. Okay. Everything looks great. Awesome. Um, this has been phenomenal. I mean, I think, I think what you have shared with us is, is really profound. Um, and it's going to be a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people because I mean, I don't know if anyone has been to an intervention, but it's really intense and it's very emotionally draining. And that's for like someone who is like a drug addict, right? And you are sitting here telling us that our food is our drug, right? And so like, so if we are to change our addiction to our food, like we need something as, I I don't want to say as intense, but like we need a self intervention and they're not fun. Like we have to have this heart to heart with ourselves and be like, I have a food addiction and I need to take steps to empower myself, to heal myself. Right. And that's going to be hard for most people. Hopefully, our like hopefully listeners here are, are going to be like, oh yeah, I'm ten steps closer to that. But as you said, like like less than three percent of people are really really healthy. So how do we how do we make that number bigger? Well, we we have a self intervention, and we we take your advice, and maybe we just jump all in and be like, you know what? I deserve good health. I deserve longevity. I deserve quality of life. And that is possible through food. Like food is medicine. The power is at the end of your fork, right? So, um, Dr. Furman, this You don't is- just
1: get five years more of life. You get 20, you can get yes. 25 more years of life. It's, yes. And it and, and makes the difference between enjoying your golden years or, make, or being sick and being the medical cripple in your right. later years. Right. It, it's a tremendous, the benefits are huge mm-hmm. to want to be in good health.
0: Absolutely.
2: Can you share a little bit about like what people would get uh, if they dive into your, some of your books? What are some things that they might learn or get from that?
1: Well, each chapter gives uh, the primary foundation of nutritional excellence and then gives a summary at the end of each chapter, of like a one-page summary of what they learned to reinforce the most important points. And each chapter has like a, a success story at the beginning and the end. But let's say it might be talking about how phytochemicals work in the body to prevent cancer and how the immune system works. And then the highlights of what are the most important foods that are rich in phytochemicals or something. And then the next chapter might be, um, you know, how maybe um, how food addiction works and how and how mm-hmm. your body has a how as when you go into the phase of the digestive cycle, when you're not digesting food and you it's called the catabolic phase where digestion ceased that's when the body goes into a mode of detoxification and repair, which happens more in the non-feeding state. Mm -hmm. When the body is in a phase of repair, you mobilize more toxins in the bloodstream, you feel worse. And you mistake those feelings for hunger, which makes you eat when you're not really hungry. So you first have to worry about making the body healthy first, before you can comfortably eat the right amount of calories. Mm. You're never going to be comfortable eating the right amount of calories until your body gets well-nourished with nutrients yeah. first because you got to get your level of toxins down. So it yes. goes through that and explains how the digestive process works. So mm. then the next Amazing. chapter might go into, you know, the um, – you know, the, how fat, you know, fat we're talking about using nuts and seeds as a source of fat versus oil and how oil perpetuates people's being overweight and how difficult it is to lose weight when you're pouring oil on your food. So, in other words, the each chapter hits a major um, issue and with the, of course result in that a person has a really broad overview of modern nutritional science and also giving specific diets of people with cancer, with autoimmune disease, with diabetes, with heart disease, Amazing. with emergency weight loss before surgery or with, you know, so we have a whole bunch of different diets with recipes and whole menu plans written out so people can know where to go and how to eat for various conditions.
0: Amazing. excellent. This has been a phenomenal interview. Thank you so much for your time. We know you're a very, very busy man saving the world, um, saving people from themselves can you tell us a little bit more about how people can find more information about you, your products, maybe, you know, you mentioned your retreats. Where can people get more um, of, of just your information?
1: DrFurman.com. Dr. can just all, all the information's there.
0: Amazing. All right, Dr. Furman, this has been such a good conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Um, any parting words of advice before we close up?
1: Love what you're doing. This has been great talking to you. The parting words is don't be content with being sick mm-hmm. and don't mm-hmm. ever, don't ever give up. Yes. You know, don't throw in the towel. Don't check out. Think you can't do this. You can do it. You can, you can get it. well. You can be slim, healthy, muscular and live a long time, but you don't doubt yourself. It just takes a little. And take the initiative and just do it. And don't give up and don't be satisfied with being sick and taking medications. Perfect. That was
0: excellent. Brilliant. Thank you, Dr. Furman and listeners. Thank you for tuning in this week. We'll catch you next week and good and have that intervention with yourselves. You guys like you can (laughs) do it. Like you deserve a healthy life full of vibrancy and joy and and like living, I, and I'm just gonna quickly say, like, you know, my husband, he died at 38. He was young. Don't let that be your story. Don't let that, you know, like empower yourselves now, heal now, and live a full, full life. We all deserve that. So thank you, Dr. Furman. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Getzy Health Podcast.